Forgiveness sets us free. Bitterness is wanting someone else to suffer pain and yet watching the destruction happen to us. So Joseph, over those 20 years, it wasn't at that moment when he saw his brothers that he forgave them. He had forgiven them long before that. They just never knew it. And you can hear the fear in the fear in their voice. This is happening to us because of what we did to Joseph. Forgiveness is incredible, regardless of the other person. What what would have happened when Joseph was sold to that passing by caravan? If he looked up at his brother and said, Hey, I forgive you for this, do you think they would have even taken him seriously? Yeah, it's Welcome to Cabin Devils. But allow me to ask a question uh, tonight. What would have happened if the Old and the New Testament were switched? That Joseph read the New Testament before he experienced the difficulty that he did. What verse would have come to mind while going through these difficult moments? And I believe if that were so, Joseph would have recited Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 to 14 that says, Now that I have already obtained this, or am I already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. From that particular verse that we just read tonight, two things stand out. One is the idea of forgetting and the idea of pressing on. Welcome to Cabin Devils this evening. And as we get into our show, I would like you guys to go ahead and uh, just kindly post for me what is the one thing that you are looking forward to in the near future. Not that Philippians means the things we are talking about right now when it talks about I press on toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. But I think I believe that it's important for us to be having hope towards one thing, at least something that we believe God is going to do for us in the near future. So what's that one thing that you are looking forward to in the near future? Please go ahead and post that for me in the chat. Ladies and gentlemen, we just read for us a scripture from Philippians chapter 2 from verse 12. And I believe that scripture seems to urge us to do two things. One, to forget. One, to forget, to forget, but also to press on, to press on. But also the scriptures generally do remind us or have urged us to remember in some incidences. And this is how Piper puts it. He says, forget everything that hinders your faith and obedience. For example, guilt. And remember everything that serves faith and obedience. Uh, For example, what Christ has done already for us on the cross. Today, we are joined by John Page. I almost called him John Piper. 
And that day will come someday, hopefully, when we shall host John Piper on this show. But that is not today. Today we are joined by uh, John Page from not far from us here on the same continent of Africa. As we cover this um, last portion of Joseph's life, a young man that was steadfast. And uh, John, it's been two episodes in one week. Um, have you seen any of the truth that you have covered, that we have covered together, come to life uh, for you as you have been living out this week? Yeah, I think one of the things that really stands out to me, and thanks for asking that question, um, as I was even reviewing Monday's and Wednesday's podcast, Radio Cross there, is the whole aspect of circumstance and waiting. Joseph is in prison in essence, on death row, because in the king's prison, you were either freed or you were killed. And in that situation, he continues to serve God despite his circumstance. And we know it was over two years because the the two gentlemen that he had interpreted their dream correctly and had they had forgotten about him. One of them had been killed. One of them went back to the king's palace, forgot about him for two years, and he was in prison before that. And I was thinking of our current situation of COVID. And I've caught myself many times saying, I can't wait until this is over. And I was was listening this week and saying to myself, you know what? I need to stop waiting for it to be over. I need to stop looking forward to it being over and just realize that this is where God has me now. I need to be serving him now, not waiting for something to change in the future. Joseph, when he was in prison, served God while he was in prison, never knowing if those circumstances would change or not. And that really came to life to me to change my phraseology and no longer look forward to this season being over, but just look inwardly, how can I serve God in this season? That's 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 interesting. Um, not waiting for it to be over, and we see not comfort really for Joseph while in prison, but uh, there was a sense of purpose uh, even in that difficult moment for him. And so I'm, I'm really glad that that came out for you. Uh, that was great lessons uh, for us this evening. One of the things I'm going to ask you, John, to do uh, right now is just to commit uh, the different. I won't call them visions. Uh, or expectations or hopes. Um, I don't think there's any word like that as hopes. I think it's one word, hope. But the reason I'm calling it hopes is because it's coming from different individuals as they listed out some of the things they're looking forward to. But also to just uh, pray, especially for us as well, here as a family, I know you have been praying uh, for our final move to the mission field uh, that is coming up hopefully very, very soon. Every time someone asks me, when are you going to Rwanda? I say very soon. Uh, It's been three years now or very soon. Um, And just like the Lord's return, it's coming very soon very soon. Don't give up hope. But one of the other things that uh, has been mentioned up here by some of our audience tonight is uh, Martin Duco. Martin Duco, who is looking forward to finishing LDC with excellent results. But we also have Lindsay uh, before that, who is talking about a normal life without constant lockdowns. (laughs) Maybe some of them, but not constant. I personally cannot wait to leave home as well and uh, have some level of freedom to be able to carry out a couple of errands without having to ride a bike all the time and getting sweaty. But someone here called uh, 
Sefatu says full night of sleep when my baby is older. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Here I am waiting for this newborn to come. I don't think I want to be in those shoes right there of being awake. Um, but again, it's a joy. It's a joy. Look at that. Twin girls. Twin girls. Amen. Awesome. And then we do have McLean uh, talking about teaching her kindergarten uh, students on site and then we have finances to fund my father studies from grace natalie and uh someone else here is mentioning completing of ldc with best results there must be classmates uh with mm-hmm. martin juko i'm just assuming i'm just assuming but look at that another request from uh, curb saying teenagers turning adults and then uh that's that's awesome that is awesome but let me ask uh you page to just commit those dreams and hope uh, to god in prayer uh, because he hears us God, we lift these requests to you. We know that they're real, they're important. You know the importance to every one of these individuals. And we are so thankful that we have a God that desires to listen to us. So Lord, we lift these to you. You know even more of the detail than just the few comments that are put here in the chat behind each of those requests. The joy of twins coming. Uh, David and Grace looking forward to a new addition in their family many looking forward to positive results of LDC and being able to further studies. And we know the financial burden normally, but during this season, it's even greater to be able to continue our studies and to be able to pay those bills. Lord, we pray for teenagers turning into adults. And Lord, I echo that one as the teenagers are no longer in my house, but they're, they're young adults. And we love that stage in life, but Lord, we need your wisdom. So, Lord, at both sides, when it's the sleepless nights of a young baby and when it's a young university student that's part of our family, we need your wisdom. We need your grace. We need your word to be real into our lives so that we can share it with others. So, Lord, I know even on this group tonight, there's been many prayer requests that haven't been listed, but you know them. You're an all-knowing God, and we're just so thankful that we get to pray to you and we get to pray for each other to carry those burdens but to carry those requests to the only one that has the power to answer those. So Lord, even tonight, as we share these requests with you, we share this time together and we use it to focus our minds and discussion around your word. We know that you're with us, but help us to learn. Lord, even that's been my prayer as I've studied that I would learn from your passage. And David so clearly asked that question tonight. So, Lord, help our hearts to be open, help our minds to be open, and connect our lives to this passage of Scripture that we hear about tonight. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, tonight, I'm looking forward uh, to having you take us to the third episode uh, in this uh, concerning the family uh, background or history of Joseph that uh, never hindered him. And I know each one of us have a crazy, crazy background, especially when it comes to uh, family. Today we're going to be looking at the relationship between our past and uh, who we are uh, in Christ. And allow me to welcome John Page to take us through uh, this time in God's Word. John, you are welcome. It's great to be back on tonight. And even as you and I have been talking about this series on Joseph, which is one that's spoken about quite a bit, but there's so much practical application. We're kind of ending this week talking about the beginning. And you see that whole story. And I hope if, if you're just joining us tonight or you joined us on the other nights, that even though we haven't told the entire story of Joseph's life, 
If you want the most exciting mini series, you don't need to binge anything on Netflix. Grab your Bible, start reading in chapter 37 of Genesis right through 50. Uh, you probably won't be able to put it down if you're like me. I've read the story multiple times, even in studying for this week. And read it from front to end and read it slow and pick up all the details in this drama that is real life. It's not made up. And tonight we look at the whole aspect that family history of Joseph did not define him. We talked about his character. We talked about the qualities of his life. We talked about integrity being the theme that would summarize probably of all the characteristics. He was a man of integrity. He was the same when everybody was around and when nobody was around. And tonight, as we look at his family history, there's often times in my life that I can look back and I can try to use something from the past as an excuse. I want to get out of that or I, I, because of this happening to me, I am this way or because this never happened to me. I'm not able to do what someone else could do. And I can remember as a young teenage boy, there was a, a lady who was like a second mom to me, Louise Eli. And she grew up with a horrendous past. My, my past was much easier. Of course, at that time, it was much shorter. But it was much easier than what she ever grew up with. And as young men, I was, would hang out with her son and myself and other young men. And she would look at us all the time. And she said, don't let your past be a hindrance to you. Don't let your past be an excuse. Don't let your past be a crutch. And so Joseph's family history didn't define him. It's part of the story, but it's not an excuse. So let's look at the background. Let's look at, we've, we've looked at who Joseph became. He was loved and hated. He was sold instead of being killed. He became a slave. And then the top, the top headmaster of the slaves he became a prisoner, then he was the head prisoner, and all of that was preparation in life because God was going to put him in charge of Egypt during the wealthy years of seven years of abundance, leading right into seven years of famine. He was a planned bus businessman who had an execution that saved the nation, but also saved his family when they ran out of food and they came unknowingly to ask him for help in Egypt. And we can see God's hand through that entire story. But would we be willing to go through that story in order to be the person in charge? So let's look at a little bit of the history. You think of Joseph being a type of Christ and Joseph being a man of integrity and stature and character. And even when he was put in charge of all of Egypt, he didn't change who he was. He didn't all of a sudden become a power-hungry person who forgot about everybody else. He remained Joseph. And I know as I look at that, I automatically think that he had such a solid family background to raise a young man with that type of character. And yet in this situation, that's not true. He had God. He had a very close relationship with God, and he had a a desire to obey God over his comfort. And we see that reflected again and again and again. I liked how you said that, Dave, at the beginning. You said purpose over comfort. That's how Joseph lived, with purpose instead of comfort being his goal. But do you remember the back end of the story? Maybe not. Let me just bring out five or six bullet points here. Jacob, his father, 
when Jacob was a boy, remember when Jacob was born, he was a twin. Jacob and Esau, do you remember that? The twin brothers? Esau was first born, but Jacob was grabbing at his heel. His, his name literally means in his language back then was heel grabber or to take something from someone else. That's how Jacob, the father, when he was born with his twin Esau, that's how he came into this world. That's when they were born as twins, one just before the other. But we know the end of their teenage years as their father was about to die, Esau, coming in from the field hungry, sold his birthright to Jacob. Esau was the firstborn. Jacob was the second. And because of wanting instant pleasure, he said, I'll sell my birthright to you. Please let me have a bowl of that porridge that you fixed. And Jacob sold it to them. Well, the father was not in agreement, but they tricked. Jacob and his mother tricked the father into blessing him on his deathbed. And Jacob walks away with the birthright. And so you see the the deceit and the trickery taking from someone else what is theirs. That's totally opposite of the character that we see in Joseph's life. But that was his dad. If you follow Jacob, Jacob grows up. He's sent to a different land. His mom wants him to live where, and let Esau calm down and not kill him. Sends him off to a different land and he works for a gentleman by the name of Laban. He falls in love with Laban's daughter, Rachel. Laban had two daughters, Leah and Rachel. And he works for seven years in order to be able to marry Rachel. And somehow after the wedding, he is tricked and realizes he was not given Rachel as a wife, but he was given Leah. So not only were he and his mom involved in tricking his dad, but now Laban and his family were involved in trickery for Jacob. He had to work another seven years for Rachel. And he says, we can't have the younger being married before the older, so you take Leah, and then we'll give you Rachel for seven more years, work for 14 years. We see these two wives, sisters, but there's actually two other wives. And David, you mentioned this in your, in your family history with your dad, multiple wives, and there's four wives in the scenario. But it kind of explains to us then why Joseph is the favorite. See, Leah was able to produce sons and daughters right away for Jacob, but Rachel was not. Only in Jacob's older years was Rachel, did Rachel finally become pregnant and have two boys, first of all, Joseph and then Benjamin. So you see, Joseph was the favorite because not only was he a child in Jacob's older age, he was also a firstborn of his favorite wife. And his favorite wife, being Rachel, also gave him a boy. That was Joseph's mother. Rachel was Joseph's mother. And so you can see this whole aspect of deception being so much part of the family history. You can see the lying that takes place. You can see Jacob tricking his brother and then later as a grown man marrying is tricked by his father-in-law. If you continue in that story, chapter 32 is where a lot of that picks up and 33, 34, it gets into an aspect where one of Jacob's daughters, it would have been Joseph's sister, goes off to a land, and at that time, one of the leader's sons is very attracted to her, but rapes her. And we see Jacob, who I would suspect to be this incredible man of God, basically does nothing, says nothing. The boys raise up in anger later on, and they trick this royalty son into a plan and it ends up where they're able to 
hurt him, where he's able to be killed in vengeance of their daughter, who their father, who their sister, who their daughter did nothing about simply by being quiet. We see the hatred between the brothers and Joseph and the father seems to not do anything about it other than make it known that Joseph is his favorite. But we also see something that's interesting. Even in Jacob getting the birthright instead of Esau, we see Jacob and Esau come back together and mend their friendship as brothers. Jacob, in route, has this point, if you look at it, and it's an incredible story, if you remember, where Jacob wrestled with an angel of the Lord. Some say it was in a dream. Some say it was all night wrestling. And you can see the damage that was physically happened to him. So everyone believes that it was something that it was real. But during that time, wrestling with the Lord and coming back to acknowledging the wrongs of his past, and yet still taking the promise that God had given that was his as a birthright to be a father of many nations. You even look at the aspect of death, which happens in so many of our families. When you say, oh man, I wish I grew up to be the favorite. I was always the least favorite. But some people grow up with a loss, not knowing a parent from ever, from the point when they were born. And we see this in Benjamin's life that Rachel, his mom, dies very shortly after he is born. So Joseph and Benjamin, being born to the favorite wife, didn't grow up with that wife being around for as many years as they would have liked to. We see Joseph's history where he was born and in the promised land and where he goes back to, but we see that most of his life, He grew up in Africa in the country of Egypt. He was a foreigner in the land that he knew as home. Different land, different gods, different language that he had to adapt to. So we see all these different circumstances. You you could actually take time in in the history of the family and look at the different brothers. And we talked about this, David, a little bit on Wednesday night, about the different brothers and what we see happen in their lives. You look at Reuben. Reuben was the firstborn. Reuben in his family and Jacob's family would have been the firstborn male and would have received the birthright. But you can actually look over in 1 Chronicles chapter 5, and it says he lost his birthright. And the birthright was given to Joseph. He lost the birthright because he was not one of character or integrity. And so you can see Joseph growing up with brothers that weren't great examples, with a father who wasn't a good example but did turn in his later years, to a relationship with God and a love for family. And you could use these circumstances, this family, this environment, either as an excuse or as a platform or as a hindrance, as a way to not do what God sets out. But it's so many times in these situations that we we get, for me, I get too wrapped up in the circumstances instead of realizing that God is in every one of those circumstances. We're not bound by the past. It's very similar, even if you look at becoming a child of God. We're no longer slaves to the old master. We are free from sin. We're not free from sinning, but we're free from the control of sin because we can understand forgiveness of sin in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that's really how Joseph lived as a child of God, regardless of his circumstances. He lived with the purpose to obey God and to serve God in everything that he did. 
So I know many of you listening tonight and even downloading later will be able to relate to different aspects of Joseph's family life, of how he grew up. We can look to the end of the story and see how Joseph turned out, and it's very different than the way he grew up. Joseph had one wife. He had much power. He was the ruler of Egypt, but he was incredibly high on integrity and not changing whether he was thrown in prison or whether he was given the keys to the kingdom. Chuck Swindoll says it this way. I loved in reading his book, his study on Joseph. He said, no family today is more dysfunctional than Joseph's. No one faces greater temptation than what Potiphar's wife offered Joseph. No faith is challenged more severely than was Joseph's on death row. Yet Joseph stood firm, exemplifying what is possible when ordinary people maintain their connections with a holy God. And I think that's a a great summary statement, as Chuck Swindoll puts that, because that relates Joseph to you and I. An ordinary person, not a superhero, not something that can't be attained, not somebody who's any different than you and me. And yet what was different? It wasn't Joseph. It was God. That song that you played at the beginning there, Good God Almighty, tell me, is he good? He's good. Tell me, is he God? He's God. He's good God Almighty. And that's such a praise and such a testimony that should be coming off of our mouths and out of our lives in any circumstance, during COVID-19, during loss of a family member, during loss of a parent, loss of a, a sibling, loss of a friend, loss of a job, loss of a home. We all experience loss, and yet even during that time, God is good, and He is God, because He continues to walk through difficulty with us. He doesn't just remove us from difficult circumstances. Joseph stood firm, exemplifying what is possible when ordinary people maintain their connections with the Holy God. And I think that's so true, and I I hope and I pray Even those words of the the song that you played, good God Almighty, I hope you'll find me praising your name no matter what comes because I know where I'd be without your mercy. So I keep praising your name at the top of my lungs. It is such a vivid picture of how opposite life is right now. We have to wear masks. Our voice at my age at 50, somebody has their mask on. I have a hard time hearing them. If I don't speak up, people might not hear me. And, you know, that's that's just a visual, but I don't want ever my voice and my praise of God to be dampened. I want people in my circumstances to hear me praising God. And so, Joseph, if I think I have any excuse not to follow God, I look at the life of Joseph and realize I have no excuse. I've never been on death row. I've never been sold as a slave. I've never been hated by a family member. I've been hated, but never hated to the point where someone wanted to murder me. I've never been lied about, forgotten about, ignored, and betrayed to the level that Joseph was. And so even though my circumstances, and I know many of your circumstances are incredibly difficult, we don't have to get into comparing each other's circumstances because that brings the focus to us. What we do 
is we compare the fact that we are ordinary people who have the opportunity to follow and serve an extraordinary God who loves us more than anything and created us to be with him and to serve him. One of the other books, and maybe I'll have a chance, I'll, I'll type some of these resources into the chat here, into the text that, have, that I use for studying in addition to God's word. Uh, one of the authors is Steve Farrar. He also wrote an excellent book called Point Man. Every, every man should read that book multiple times. I'm reading it with a friend right now. But he wrote a, another book, uh, God Built, dealing with the life of Joseph. And he says this. He said, someone is running your life. Most of us are on the throne of our own lives. Jesus wants to sit on the throne of your life. And as I reflect on that, as I think on that, the statement that you made, purpose over comfort, Joseph had God sitting on the throne of his life through every one of those circumstances. Joseph trusted God and waited during much uncertainty. How about me? Do I trust God? Am I willing to wait and serve him during even this time of uncertainty? Am I trusting God and am I waiting while serving? Or am I letting my circumstances control me? So just incredible thoughts as we've journeyed through parts of the life of Joseph this week, where we saw that on Monday his environment didn't change who he was, whether he was lied about, sold, sold instead of being murdered, uh, tr- been traded by his boss's wife into being a prisoner, from being a slave to a prisoner, he didn't change. And on Wednesday, we saw the opposite. We saw the rags to riches story where he went from being a prisoner on death, death row to being number one in charge of the country of Egypt as he helped them point people to God and allow the country of Egypt who served thousands of other gods to have their lives saved by the one true God. And he used that platform to be a testimony. And he saw that his brothers selling him was all part of God's plan to build and change him, to be able to be, to be a leader that never forgot and never changed who he was. He continued to be a servant of God. And today we wrapped up just looking at the family of history. Not His family history didn't define him. His dad had many wives. His dad was this, oftentimes a silent dad where he should have spoken up. And Joseph, led of God, lived differently. He was a man of one wife. His sons had names that reminded him of the past and yet reminded him not to be bitter of the past. He became the ruler of an Egypt because they saw with the one true God in Joseph's life. And they saw the characteristic of integrity that Joseph would not build up storage barns for his own wealth, but he would do it to save others. And so if you look at the life of focus and we wrap up with this and take any comments or questions that might've come in too, if you look at the life of Joseph, he had a focus and his focus was on God and others. My life gets backwards or upside down when I focus on myself and my circumstances. So that's just an encouragement for all of us as we look at the life of Joseph, not to let our past control us, but let our past shape us. Learn from the past and learn what God would have us to do in our lives, in his future, 
being able to point people to God in every one of our circumstances. So just some encouraging thoughts. And I don't, I don't know, uh, Dave, back over to you. What, what are some things that may be standing out to you? And I'll, I'll read through a few of these uh, chats that have been put onto our group here too. Um, you know, when you were speaking, it actually occurred to me that, uh, one, there was more drama than I'd thought. You know, when I was thinking about his family, I was thinking about at a point when Joseph comes into the picture, I actually had not gone back in my thinking process to his father from a time he's born, the way of the deceiver and grabbing onto heels and all the wrong stuff that kept happening in his family. But amidst all of that drama, I like the fact that you really pointed out very, very clearly that God is good and that he is almighty. But the other thing I had not even thought about that there could be members who are listening in right now and they have existing family drama. It's not in the past. It's happening right now. Mm. And existing family drama, yep. that, that is common with every family. There's some sort of drama somewhere. Um, either it's an unsaved uncle, or maybe when you go for Christmas and these holidays, you are called pastor. They, they, they think of you as one who treats yourself more holy than you ought to be. And the question I have is, how can we reach out to our families, um, especially if there is some level of drama? Not everyone is born again. And uh, one clear way that we can pick from the life of Joseph is one principle concerning forgiveness. Uh, because in the mix of the drama, people get hurt, people say things, people do things. Um, but one one of them is forgiveness. But do you have any other pointers uh, in dealing with family drama? Um, I don't know if you've ever experienced any of that drama, either in your own family as uh, as the pages or maybe in the past. But do you have any pointers on how to deal with family drama as we come to the end of our time together? John. Definitely. I think one of the things that stands out to me is, is the same in family drama as it is when we're trying to share Christ with someone outside of our family. So family drama is just an indicator of where hearts are at. and It's an opportunity for us to minister and share with our family. And how does that start? Very first, it starts by prayer. You can imagine the amount of time Joseph, when he was in the pit, when he was sold as a mm. slave, uh, spent time talking to God. It all begins with prayer. And the power of prayer is incredible. Prayer doesn't always change the other people, although it can. But I know for me, when I pray, it changes mm. me. When I start talking to God and asking him to change somebody else, it's amazing how he then points out things that I need to change. And that works mm. out incredibly well with family. But the second part is care. If you look at how, how did Joseph become in charge of everything in Potiphar's house? He cared for those that worked for him, with mm -hmm. him. That was the other slaves. He cared for the family that he was hired to serve. He cared for others much more than he did himself. And I think that last aspect, which we always talk about when we talk about having gospel conversations, then is sharing sharing what he learned with others. He used every platform that he had, whether it was with Pharaoh, with Potiphar, with the jailer, with the fellow prisoners, to share Christ. 
But that came after he spent time praying and caring for others, gave him that that platform to share the lessons he was learning and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. I cannot believe it's that simple. Pray, care, and share. Uh, I'd actually not thought about it, but when you think about it, uh, someone once said that uh, if you care for someone, you win the right to share uh, with them. And by sharing, I mean then you can be able to uh, share the gospel. Why? Because if you don't care, they don't want to know. Uh, they don't want to know. Sorry about the accent, guys. It happens when you talk to South Africans live on the show. They don't want to <laughs> know. <laughs> but yeah, we've come to the end of our show, ladies and gentlemen. Let me remind you to click the follow button before the end of the show uh, to receive other episodes, especially past episodes that we've done. But also go in and follow us on Instagram and Facebook for regular updates. And uh, I'd like to remind you, the one last thing is uh, we do have the online Quiet Time app that has been developed by World of Life. I would like each one of us here uh, to be a part of it. One of the other things that uh, you can do with this app, I just found out, is that you can actually do your quiet time offline for up to, I think, a week. But the other function that is up there is you can create an accountability group uh, of friends who can check on whether or not you are doing your quiet time. And that way you keep yourselves uh, accountable. Now, remember, your quiet time is private to you, so they will not be able to see any of the quiet time that you're doing they only see the quiet time that you are able to share with them. And there's a share button right there that you can click and be able to share your quiet time with friends either on Instagram or uh, WhatsApp or Facebook, some of the things that you're learning. There are several options there. You can choose to share what you are learning or how you are applying it to your life or only the life step. The life step is the summary of uh, the thoughts uh, for that particular day that already exists in the quiet time. I do have quiet time codes. I think I had 20 and the number has been taken by several people. These are 70% off discount. And so reach out to me, just send me an email to campinthecloud at icloud.com and I'll get it in touch with you. If you're going to listen to a podcast before you go to before bed, you go to, before you go to bed, you can as well grow in your faith. Cabin Devils. Cabin Devils. Your number one live podcast. Every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, 9 p.m. East African time.